James 2 and 23 that Abraham was a friend of God. And so this revelation of, of hidden things speaks to the intimacy that God had with Abraham. Secondly, uh, God's revelation of the secret things to Abraham is, is an example of how God interacted with the prophets. In Amos chapter 3, verse 7, it says, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. And in Genesis 20, Abraham is called a prophet. Typically, when you think of intercession, you think of a priest. But really, that was the role of a prophet. The prophet's role uh, was to represent God to the people of God and the people of God to God. The prophet's were Israel's intercessors. They were the friends of God. They, 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 they were in the meetings of the, uh, of the divine council, and they heard this revelatory, uh, 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 God's revelatory uh, uh, plans were, were told to the prophets so that the people of God can respond in faith. And they also spoke judgment and blessing as it relates to God's covenant people. And so check this out, before, it gives, before God gives a declaration of cursing to Sodom, God gives the declaration of blessing. He says that through Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He gives Abraham the good news before the bad news. Paul says in Galatians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 8, that he preached the gospel to Abraham. This is what Paul says. He says, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So God preached the good news of the gospel that through Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, Jews and Gentiles. God always gives the good news before the bad news. Before God makes you aware of your sin, he preaches a word of blessing. Before you can see the problem, God reveals the solution. If your problem is unbelief, skepticism, suffering, chronic illness, or whatever, God says to you, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Whatever you're dealing with tonight, God knows, and he hears every cry for mercy, every cry for help, because all prayer is before the Lord, whether you are a Christian or not a Christian. And in verse 22, uh, we see that there are two, uh, and I believe these are two men, and we know this because of Genesis 19, the two men went towards Sodom, these two angels, to judge them. But the Bible says that the Lord stayed behind and Abraham stood before the Lord. I believe all prayer is before the Lord. Whenever we pray as a family, uh, my wife and I remind our kids that God is a person. You know, we're not just, you know, pray, like anytime we pray before we eat, this isn't some ritual. We're giving thanks to the God who gives every good blessing, who God who blessed us so that we can provide food for our kids. And we want to remind our kids that every good blessing, every good gift comes from the Lord. And so that's why we give thanks for our food. This is not some Christian ritual. Um, so we're trying to remind our, our kids that God is a person. 
the God who holds our lives in his hands. Tim Keller on his book on prayer wrote this. He says, all prayer is responding to God. In all cases, God is the initiator. Hearing always precedes asking. God comes to us first or we would never reach out to him. Hearing precedes asking. Another illustration, you know, anytime our kids are in a dispute, they would say, mommy, come and get so-and-so. Now, uh, there was one time when the kids were playing outside and my wife, she was, I think she was sleeping or she was in the bathroom. And they were like, mommy, mommy, come get so-and-so. And I was like, she can't hear you. She can't hear you. But they expected, mommy, whatever she is doing, whether she was sleeping or in the bathroom or whatnot, to rush to their aid. Because hearing precedes asking. They believe that mommy always could hear us. Whether she's away from us, no matter how far away, she could come and get that, their brother or sister. They expected us to run to their aid every time. Whenever, when sometimes I feel like they should have come to us. But we see that a good parent doesn't wait for you to come to them. They go to you. A good God doesn't wait for you to come to him. He goes to you. And so in verse 23, Abraham drew near to God. You know, the two angels had gone to, uh, to judge Sodom, and, and the Bible says that God stood. And, and so Abraham drew near. And I love that point that Abraham drew near. You see, God is standing before us, waiting for us to draw near in prayer. He stands before us in our time of need. He, he stands before us when our sins cry out against us like Sodom and Gomorrah. He stands before us even when we can't see him standing physically. And all he wants for you to do is to draw near. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near unto you. When we pray, heaven meets earth the invisible responds to the visible. Questions find their answers. God meets with mankind. And so when we, when we draw near, we, we draw near in faith. When Abraham drew near to God in prayer, he didn't pray for himself, but he prayed for Sodom. God was giving Abraham an opportunity to intercede on behalf of Sodom. Remember, God says, I'm going to reveal the secret things of my counsel to, to Abraham because I know that through Abraham, all the Gentiles will be blessed. And so God stayed behind and, 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 and almost like, Abraham, will you intercede? Will you intercede for unrighteous Sodom? God stayed behind and Abraham drew near and he prayed the prayer of intercession. The priority of intercessory prayer is the other party. The intercessor stands in the gap, not for themselves, but for those who cannot stand in the gap. The intercessor's primary aim is to make the other person's need their own. To make the other person's need their own. I have a, a, another illustration about how hard it is to pray intercessory prayer. Uh, so anybody, has anybody in here used Instacart or Uber Eats or DoorDash? All right, most of us, all right? Now, a good Instacart uh, deliverer is like a good intercessor. Amen? 
they must take your order as if it is their very own. When they, when they go to Whole Foods or, uh, uh, you know, save a lot, wherever you go to shop and they, and they choose the fruit, you know, you, you hope that they would choose the good fruit, right? They're not going to choose the one that, that smells rotten. They're going to give, they're going to, they're going to shop as if they were shopping for themselves. That's a good intercessor. Amen. So one day, actually, this was a few days ago. Uh, my father and mother-in-law are in town, and we decide, you know what, we're going to use DoorDash to get some Popeye's chicken. Now, we spent about $80 to get this Popeye's chicken, and we expected the person interceding for us to deliver the chicken, right? But I believe that this person, he, he, he looked at this order, and he said, it's too good, it's, it's, too, it's too extravagant. Uh, yes, he had a, a verbose language, and, and, and he said, I'm going to take this order for myself because it's too good. And, you know, maybe this person, you know, he was hungry. Maybe he had a family of six kids that he was trying to feed. But, the, but that's not the point. The point of a good intercessor is not your need, but the need of the other party. Amen? Because the intercessor doesn't think self selfishly but selflessly they meet the needs of the one they represent sometimes intercessory prayer is hard because what's what the intercessor does is maybe pray for someone to have a child when you can't have children it means praying for someone to have a spouse when you're still single, it means praying for someone else's healing when you are chronically ill. It means praying for the salvation of Sodom and Gomorrah when you could have prayed for just Lot and his family. You see, intercessory prayer is hard. And I'll give you the bad news here. In Genesis 18, 20 through 21, it describes the reason that the men of God who came to visit Abraham turned to go to Sodom. The scripture says, the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to whether they have to see whether they have done all together according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So what was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah? Ezekiel 16, 49 through 50 says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom, speaking to Israel. She and her daughters had pride, excess food, and prosperous ease, but, not, but did not aid the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. Sodom was also a place of sexual immorality, they engaged in behavior that was against God's original design for sex in the covenant of marriage. And so the outcry against Sodom was great. And, and in Genesis 19, 13, it hints that there, there were people crying out about this uh, injustice. They were, they were crying out because of the pride and, and the sin of Sodom. And the Bible says that this news came to the throne room of God. And God's, because God is a just God... God says, I'm going to judge Sodom. The bad news is that all sin deserves to be punished. All sin deserves the righteous judgment and the wrath of God. 
And, you know, when God came down to judge, it parallels God coming down to judge uh, in, in the time of Noah in Genesis 6 when God judged with the flood. The Bible says that during the time of the flood, the wickedness of man was so great that all the, the thoughts, all the intentions of the heart was only evil continuously. And after the flood, mankind uh, continued in this evil. And, and, and we saw after the flood that in the Tower of ba Babel that mankind was uh, 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 creating a tower so high to touch the heavens. And God saw mankind's pride and said, I'm going to confuse their language. I'm going to come down and judge. So when God reveals to Abraham that he will judge Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham prays a prayer of intercession on behalf of Sodom. He wants to know, will God judge the wicked if the righteous are present? You know, Abraham could have said, you know what, Sodom deserved every bit of judgment that's coming for him. He could have said they deserved it. But that's not why God stayed behind because God knew that Abraham, through Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. And so God is inviting him to intercede on behalf of this people because God loves to save more than he loves to judge. Amen. And so Abraham says, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Essentially, he's asking God, are you a God of mercy? Can the righteous spare the unrighteous from judgment? Justice demands that the, that the righteous should not perish with the unrighteous. And Abraham asks, will you spare Sodom if there are 50 righteous? Now, I don't know what the, uh, the significance of the number 50 is, uh, but I do know that Abraham wants to know what is the least amount of righteous people that can save an unrighteous city. Uh, 50 seems to be a small percentage, and, and Abraham is working his way down to 10, and God says that God will save Sodom if there are 10 righteous. Now, we know that Abraham's uh, nephew, who's Lot, lived in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham, uh, Lot had a wife. He had two daughters, and I believe the two daughters had husbands, and so that's not 10 people. That's only six his family was less than 10 people, and so why didn't Abraham start off with the smallest possible number first? Could it be that Abraham didn't know how many righteous people were in Lot's family? Could it be that he didn't know if Lot was righteous and that maybe there were some other people who were righteous in Sodom and maybe God would save the city because of some other people's righteousness? The pastor's the passage doesn't say anything, but we do know that according to Genesis 15 and verse 6, that Abraham was a righteous man. Yet, even righteous Abraham interceding on behalf of unrighteous Sodom could not save them. Now, we see, uh, we see this, this paradigm, this example of the, the righteous prophet interceding for the unrighteous people. We see this in Exodus chapter 32 with Moses. And remember when God had delivered his people out of Egypt and Moses went on top of Mount Sinai to receive the law, that the people of God, uh, uh, they, they, had the, they put all their goals together and made a golden calf and they worshiped this golden calf. Remember that story? 
And, if you, and, and so uh, they were worshiping this golden calf and saying, you know, we haven't seen Moses. He's been up on this mountain for such a long time. Uh, and we're going to create a God and we're going to give honor and glory to this God and say that this golden calf is the reason why we're saved. And God was angry with his people. And God told Moses while he was on the mountain that I'm going to come down and judge the people with fire. I'm going to consume them. But Moses interceded for God's people, and God saved unrighteous Israel. But yet the cry of Sodom's sins was so great that even Abraham's intercession couldn't save them. Now, one would think that Sodom and Gomorrah would have served as a warning to Israel, right? Israel, look what happens when you continue in unrighteousness. But unfortunately, according to the prophet Ezekiel, Israel was more corrupt, the Bible says, than Sodom and Gomorrah. The scripture says in Ezekiel 16, 47 through 48, not only did you walk in their ways and do according to their abominations, within a very little time, you were more corrupt than they in all your ways. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. You know, a lot of times as Christian, we could look at other people, particularly if they're non-Christian or unbelievers, and we could say, man, look at those unrighteous people. Look at those corrupt people. And yet, when God turns the mirror and he says, well, well look at you. It, make, it humbles us. Amen? Because a lot of times when you hear about Sodom, people are like, oh, Sodom. Sodom is, a, you know, the sexual sin. And they're saying, you know, Sodom is so bad. You can't be like Sodom. And in Ezekiel 16, God says, you are worse than Sodom. And so the question is, if one righteous man couldn't save an unrighteous city, then who will save us? from the wrath of God that is to come. Here's the better news. In Ezekiel 16, verse 60 through 63, God says that he would remember his covenant promise to Abraham. Remember, Galatians 3 says, before God came before Abraham so that he would intercede on behalf of unrighteous Sodom, uh, Paul says he preached the gospel. And the gospel is that through Abraham, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And so God says in Ezekiel 16 that I will atone for their sins. You see, only God can atone for the sin and unrighteousness. The bad news is that Sodom received the judgment and wrath of God. The worst news is that we all deserve the wrath of God for our moral failures. And lever, and, but nevertheless, even though 10 righteous people could not save an unrighteous city, one righteous God can save the world. Jesus comes to save those who are under the oppression of sin. He comes to release the bonds of slavery. He comes and he gives to those who are plagued by temptation a way of escape. He gives the unrighteous his righteousness. He gives the guilty his innocence. He gives the unbelievers belief and the blessing to those who deserve cursing. 
And so after Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible says he ascended into heaven and he seats on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, ever living to intercede for his people. My brothers and sisters, you have a great high priest who sits in the heavenly place who prays for you. He's not like that Instacart driver who says, ooh, it's too good. I'm going to keep this for myself. No, Jesus says, it's so good. I got to give it to them. The blessing of God is so good. I got to give it to you. And so that's what our great intercessor does. Our great intercessor intercedes on behalf of the unrighteous, the unbeliever, the unfaithful. He intercedes on our behalf and he gives us the blessings that we could never earn in ourselves. And so my question to you tonight is will you ask Jesus, the righteous one, the perfect one, the one who God reveals the secret and hidden things so that he can pray the right prayers, the prayers that God will ask and answer in a moment? Will you, will you ask Jesus to intercede for you today? If you find yourself to say, you know what, Andrew, I'm, I've been unfaithful I, or I've been, ra- I've been righteous, but I've been those ones that Abraham said have been lacking in righteousness. That's me. And I need an intercessor. I need uh, a- an intercessor who's going to represent me as if my needs are their very own. And that's what Jesus does. And so today... Will you ask Jesus to intercede for you? In a moment, we're going to take communion, and we're going to have people uh, on the side to pray for you. And I want to invite you, if you need prayer, if you need intercession, whatever the need is, I want to invite you to come to these people for prayer. Come to these intercessors who are filled with the Spirit of Christ. Come to them. Come to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, O God, that you represent our needs before the very throne of heaven as if they are your own. Lord, you know that we've been tempted. Lord, you know we, how we have suffered because, Jesus, you've walked this earth. And so, dear Lord, I pray that you would intercede on our behalf, that you would pray the prayer of forgiveness, that you would pray the prayer of healing and blessing for your people here today. Let the unrighteous know that they can be righteous. Let the unfaithful know that you are faithful. Let those here today who have fallen into sin or, or, or unbelief or whatever the problems that they have, let them know that they have a great intercessor in heaven whoever lives to pray for them. Pray for us, dear Jesus, in your holy name, amen.